We need to like figure out something to like revamp the channel, like take a different approach. But I'm not sure what. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something we could talk about because good cold opening here, ladies and gentlemen. We got Jacob Ben Kenny here in the studio with us. I'm back, folks. Jake, I'm you've back. been in the studio a long time now. Never, Never this corner of the studio. No, it's every, every other corner. corner yeah, but not this corner. I don't know if we ever had it in that corner of the studio. Well, not that little tiny one, but you don't want to see this studio, guys. It's uh. This area looks really nice. I got com- listen. I just got complimented by Logan on it on the last podcast. So watch your mouth. Your ability to shove it into small spaces. Listen, well, if we weren't redoing the rest of the house, we wouldn't have most of the stuff down here. But until that's done, hey, I mean, there's so much you can do. This corner looks good. This is what's on camera. That's what matters. Whenever you see uh, most YouTubers, whenever they turn the camera for something, you're like, oh my god. That's why they don't. That's why they don't turn the camera. No, but I was gonna. I was about to ask you too. I was like, how many YouTubers do you think only use like one section of their house? How many like actually have like a whole studio to use? A lot of them have like one wall, and they're like, we're gonna sit on this one wall. It's actually, I mean, it's usually. I don't want to say one wall. It's like they sit on this side of the room. They've got maybe their computer here, their camera or webcam, whatever they're using, and then just got the shot behind them. And so maybe part of a wall. There's usually a bookshelf or something back there. They've got you know their books or their plushies or their action figures or whatever theme it is. And you never see the sides of it. And they make a point to never turn it. I really want to put Fungo Pops behind me. I just started collecting them. I don't know what your view is on Fungo Pops. And maybe we can transition into that using that. But I do want to say that um, I think it was Logan. But it wasn't on the last podcast, but one of the podcasts earlier, like when I first started podcasting on this channel, Mm -hmm. they thought it was a green screen behind me. So when they came, they're like, oh my goodness, it's actually a backdrop. Yeah, no, it's real. And then somebody said that they thought it was actually painted on the wall, which was more impressive than not. I mean, if you're just kind of looking at it, like, it kind of looks like it's painted because it fits the wall so Mm -hmm. well. And it's a nice kind of smooth transition and it's nice and tight against the wall. If you can see, like, some of the other corners, you can kind of see some of the ripples. Uh, But I'm not sure how well they'd show up on camera. But right in the back area there, it's really smooth. I did have to put a hole in it, though, because I had to fit the outlet. Oh, no. Okay. You can't ever move it well, now. No, that's not true, because I folded it up on the inside. Mm-hmm. So, like, the piece is still there. So if I need to fold it back over and scotch tape it or something like that, okay. maybe right. I'll be all right. And realistically, with where that's at and, like, where it would be in filming, it's down here below the table. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, not really an issue. I want to start a new tradition. I want to start a everybody that comes over to the studio signs the wall. That's what I want to do. That'd be interesting. Signs the wall or signs the... No, the like the actual, okay. I don't know, backdrop itself. But anyway, fungal pop transition because I know you had a question about where you want to go with the fungal pop. Not necessarily the fungal pops, but the person behind the fungal pops. Well, first, really quick, I'm curious. So you said put them in the background. You thinking like a shelf, or where are you thinking putting them? Honestly, I wanted to build like one of those zigzag like um, what I don't want to say like a shelving, kind like of the like box, like a box shelving. Okay, I was gonna say was we did you mean sort of a design like we saw when we were filming for that one wedding? Because you remember that with the sort of... You know what? That was pretty cool. It was a really neat, like, sort of lighting thing. And you could turn that into a shelf. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I, obviously, obviously want to work with the pink and the purple that it was at the wedding. Yeah, but but what, red, maybe? Yeah. I mean, you can play with colors. I mean, if you put in, you get in some of those LEDs that you can change the color with your phone. And you can play with whatever you need to for the scene. Because if you get, you know, like a dark red, we can do that for some of our filming. You know, maybe like a Sith temple, cough, cough, or Possibly. whatever else. For those of you listening to this podcast, especially on YouTube form, if you can, type in the comment section what color it should be behind us. Maybe, what's the vibe of our channel? Because typically we go through a lot of different, like, graphics, and we really don't have a set color. We try yeah. to stick around, like, the shield emblem design, but I it doesn't mean, necessarily probably, do that. I always kind of see this one as more of, like, a bluish, like a light blue, and Real Deal is more of, like, a red and darker colors. Hmm. Um, but that's just kind of the vibe. I mean, we use the red, typically, for our borders on Real Deal. Yeah. And I'm not sure. What do you usually use on this one? 
Uh, typically more like a, a soft yellow, like a golden. Mm-hmm. So I do that along with, well, I've been using the br- the brick backdrop, which has worked really well. So it's like, uh, I don't know how much you, obviously it shows you don't watch it, dang it, Jake. But anyway, uh, so the graphics are like a brick background, and then I put like the video in like a corner, and then you have the shield down here. Oh, I know which, no, it's I pretty know cool. which video you mean. Now that you're mentioning it, yeah, no, I know which one you mean. But I can always pull it up on the computer if we have any questions, but. You know, now that you mention it, I'm, describe it. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I've seen that before. He, he's a dedicated follower. Watch every episode. <laughs> Who do we have? The ones I'm in. <laughs> no, I'm terrible, but I don't watch any YouTube consistently, so that's me. And when you do, you get spoilers. Yeah, so, well, that's why I have to avoid everything because I don't know what YouTube's gonna recommend. I watch one of your indie videos, and next thing, it's recommending Russian pornos. Thank you for that, Donnie. I don't think it was a Russian porno. It was probably an Asian porno. We don't even know what it was because we couldn't read it. I don't really know, like. And you and me went back and looked at the tags on it, like that I that I put like on the video itself, mm-hmm. and like I guess the tag short film pulls up like the ungodliest. Like I'm just like okay, well like what do you, what else do you tag it? True story. This is what his films trigger. Worst part is like I even put the like a tag called Christian because we do like technically consider yeah, this a Christian thing, that. and it doesn't show up anything Christian in the comment there section was, or in like the. There pre- was definitely yeah. nothing Christian there, unless someone was named Christian. I, I would like to believe that, that Christianity is probably dead on YouTube because not a lot of people go for Christian. Not off of your links, there's definitely no. a Christian sector to YouTube, but you're not in it. No, you want to be, but you're not. I should be, but I don't know why I'm not. You're nowhere near it. No. It's like here's the Christian sector over here. There, shield of hope, way over there, behind the wall. It's so bad. I I can't even believe some of the stuff that was coming up. Surely, like, what is like? I really don't understand though. Like, that's something that they need to fix. Yeah. I just, I mean, it's got a short film is the only thing I could guess that was triggering it. But beyond that, I'm like, and why would it trigger those? Because there's actually like there's tons of short films on YouTube, especially like. I mean, the animated short films are really popular. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those, but there's some, like, really compelling stories in those, and it's... Why didn't that get recommended? No, you got these foreign pornos. <laughs> you have somebody with their shirt off once in a background shot, and it labels it as a porno. I'm not even sure if we had that in the background at all. I don't even know if you could say that on air. I'm not sure what they even allow on YouTube if you mention the word porn. And this is probably we're having this discussion, so you're gonna get like an up. Yeah, we're gonna get worse. It's gonna get worse, guys. Be prepared. Don't don't look at the links. We're gonna start getting linked from the pornos. People are gonna come over here and they're gonna be like, "This is the worst porno ever. No one took their shirt off. There's no girls here." Speaking of which, this is off topic, but going off that topic, um, and this is actually an interesting story because I'm doing. There's two things I want to do with Shield of Hope this year. Mm -hmm. One is a short film about um, drug abuse and like suicide. Mm So, like, we're, we're bringing suicide awareness and stuff like that. So For uh, maybe release around one of the suicide prevention months. See, that's what I'm thinking, but I don't know when I'm going to film it yet because I'm waiting for the actress to actually, like, free up a little bit of time here. That's always the So, of between her and I have almost everybody casted. I even have people. I talked to Will Mosteller. He's doing a um, – we're doing sex trafficking awareness, too. Mm-hmm. So, we're doing a short film. I'm not going to release too much about it. But funny story behind that because we're leading off the uh, whatever we talked about yeah, to this. Well, so, you're definitely gonna get that but the first time I was talking to people about it, um, I didn't use the word awareness afterwards. I was like, "Well, it's a sex trafficking film," oh, and, and of course, like you know, in the back of my head, Christian friendly, I'm thinking to myself, like, "Okay, well, this is fine to say." And then like people are just like looking at me like, "Well, how in depth is it going?" I was like, "Well, you're not gonna see anything. Why?" <laughs> like you know, yeah. and so I was like. Just add the word awareness, so it's like sex trafficking awareness. Boy, doesn't that feel like a lot more comfortable when you You're say that? You listen sometimes, don't you? I know. I, I don't go as far as what they like to believe. Though, I mean, YouTube doesn't think you're innocent, clearly. No, they don't, so. Um, but anyway, let's go back to those Funko Pops. So, uh, 
there's one I think you need to add to your collection if you're going to put things on the back. Someday it might be one of the rarest, most in-demand Funko Pops. And of course, folks, if you don't know who we're referring to here, I'm talking about Cara Dune from The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Very nice poster, by the way. Yeah, no, I love those. But it, there's no Cara Dune on there for our example. No, that might have been the the re-release of those. There's the first one that has like a Cara Dune, and there's like it's off to the side. multiple Cara Dunes on the picture, and then they're like, no, scrub them all. They did the Cara Dune, what they did to Finn in the Chinese release. <laughs> but in case you're not familiar, so in light of recent events with Cara Dune, Disney is making an effort to scrub the character from some, many of their, you know, their releases, their toy releases, and even Funko Pops. They've told Funko Pops to cancel their sales of Cara Dunes. Uh, it also goes for Hasbro and a few different other places. And so that, let me tell you, that Funko Pop is the Funko Pop you want to get because that's going to be worth a lot of money. Give it 10 years. If they allow it to be sold online even. Well, I mean, Because you're seeing that a lot too with cancel culture. That are going to try and sell. And one of the things I like too is because I, I did bring it up for like a split second on like one of the podcasts about Cara Dune. Mm -hmm. But I said I wasn't going to go too in depth with it because it was new at the time. Like it was a new situation. This was about probably Things like probably about a month ago. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to sit back and like rethink about. Talk there's some discussions to take from it, regardless of which political side you're on. There's some interesting things like how much you know should, how much are actors like responsible for what we're doing with yeah. the actual characters? Like if an actor does something terrible, should you scrub the character? Should you recast someone? Because that was a discussion yeah. that's been. Because Cara Dune's a very popular character. She's a very strong female, and she's a different body for like. Um, compared to most of the female characters we've had. I mean, if you look at Leia or Rey, this is a very new body type. So it's someone who can be very inspirational to a lot of young girls out there. And... Well, I'd make the, I would easily make the case, too, that she was probably the best f strong female character that Star Wars has had throughout Disney's run. Yeah, oh, during Disney's run, yeah, there's a very strong argument for that. Now, I would I would argue too, I think Felicity Jones' character in Rogue One, I still I was going to gonna that. say that's a I was going to bring her up as a comparable like. You could argue. No one's going to argue Rey though. Nobody's no going to argue Rey. There might be one or two. Well, no serious fan. Is Star Wars Theory actually put out a poll the other day, mm -hmm. and it was, do you like the original trilogy? And it was like 97% to 3%. I was like, who is this 3% and where should we uh, hunt them down? There's people out there that are like, nah, Luke's a Mary Sue, like we the, can't tolerate him. I do not like the original. Yeah, I, I can see like people don't like the prequels, but like the OG trilogy, especially for They hold up well, though, cinematically. They really that's do. That's the thing. So I really don't understand like why people, and that's why we started Mike on it. For those of you guys that don't know, Mike Karshner, uh, we officially... Made him uh, watch Star Wars for the first time, episode four. We watch it, and I've ha I'm having him watch it from four, five, six. Mm -hmm. Then we're gonna go one, two, three, mm -hmm. and then maybe show him the sequels. Don't worry about it. Give him Rogue One. We'll though. give him Rogue One. Give him Rogue One, and maybe Solo. Maybe Solo. It's better than the sequels. Um, you know, I would still like to get your buddy on here about the the Kessel Run. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. I haven't talked to him in a little while, but we've been talking that we gotta hook up again. Um, bring him. Tell you what. Bring him over when we have Hummel on the show. That would be interesting. That would be a nice. I mean, we got a good discussion coming, but we'll save that. That's coming up. We've got a true Star Wars discussion that will be on the horizon. But this is more about just, so, you know, let's say you lose an actor. In case I really want to keep that in the editing. In case you didn't know, folks, we've got new camera stands. We have an intern replacing our old camera holder, which was just a metal rod and bipod. Leave it for the intern to mess things up. Yeah, I mean, so here's a question for you. So which camera holder did you like better, the old one or the new one? 
This one's a little more mobile, but the old one was very dependable. You know what? I don't know because we've been switching them off. I, the old one came back or last last one. Okay, okay. Right. I mean, all reliable, all reliable. Uh, you got to fight for your job, Connor. <laughs> no, he loves doing this. Yeah, um, it's great having you. So back to without interruption, Caradoon. Um, yeah, I think it's perfect. I think I could add it to the collection if they're still selling it. Mm-hmm. But again, it comes down to a debate whether what is is cancel culture right? Is it wrong? Uh, How much should we censor these kind of things based on what an actor has done? And alternatively, should an enterprise like Disney, should they be more responsible for their actors? Should they limit what they can say? Should they make them stay off of social media or something like that? Well, well, it it was only about a year and a half ago that they fired James Gunn, though, and brought him back. Mm -hmm. So, like, what's... I would argue that what James Gunn said in the past, because if we're going based off what you say in the past and what you say in general, Mm -hmm. I would argue what he has said is more inappropriate than what Cara Dune said. I would argue that Pedro Pascal made more references to... Yeah, uh, you don't really hear much discussion to Pedro Pascal. That's one of the things that I feel like... So right or left, my big thing um, is if you're going to hold one side to something, you need to hold the other side. Personally, where I'd like to see... You want to know how much politics I'd like to see in my movies, specifically in my Star Wars? Zero. Nothing. Except for within Star Wars politics. Except for how the government's so like, in Star Wars. In-world things. You know, you could have a discussion of the clone troopers. Are they really humans? Are they just machines? You know, all sorts of stuff like that. But as far as real world politics, like, you know, 2020, 2021 politics or, you know, around this era coming into Star Wars, keep it out. I've always made it very interesting uh, because somebody was talking about, like, I talk about how I don't like politics in my film. Mm-hmm. I was like, I like Star Wars style politics. And like, well, you know, of course, they had the feminist push with Ray and stuff like that. And the fans come out and they're like, certain fans come out and they're like, well, that's Star Wars politics as it should be. I was like, no, because to me, George Lucas, specifically, mm-hmm. you look at the original trilogy and the prequels. When he showed different style, he chose a lot of interesting things like the empire. You mm-hmm. look at like communism, basically, and like socialism a little bit. The uh, well, the and empire then, is actually a lot of it's based on yeah. Nazi Germany. But then you look so at the republic of, early spectrum. on. You look at democracy stages on different planets. Then you look at like it kind of shows like by episode three and mm-hmm. even at the end of, like six how all no matter what style of government you run, mm-hmm. it kind of all falters in the end. So there's a discussion out there. I don't know if you've seen the video. It's uh, an interview. A student was interviewing George Lucas. Uh, it was really just he asked a question. George Lucas answered. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen it. There's been a lot of discussion in the past day or recent, two. Very it? well. It's so the actual interview is from like 2015 or something. It it goes pretty far back, um, or so I've heard. But the discussion is really up now because there's a couple new people that covered it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think of this one account, The Black Jedi, and then, of course, Star Wars Theory had it. Um, I think they watched through it or something. You know, I don't follow his channel. Um, and in that video, though, George Lucas makes a comment that he didn't want Star Wars to be about politics of a specific time, like now or then or, you know, maybe where we're going. He wanted it to be something that would be timeless. So you could watch this at any point in our timeline and you mm-hmm. could still enjoy it. And he lo- talks a lot about sort of comparing it to, like, ancient mythos and things like that. And we all, we've heard before discussions about how Star Wars is supposed to be more like a mythos. Uh, in particular, the original trilogy follows a lot of those classic stories, you know, finding the Hermit on the road, who turns out to be the great master, different tropes like that. And so that was, and he talks about in this video, another discussion he has is so, the question is specifically about like including the races. And he talks about how really the only racism like in Star Wars as far as like colors and stuff, like he purposely had aliens of all sorts of different colors to kind of show that like they didn't care. It was about, I mean, the only racism they talk he mentions in that is towards droids. We see in Tatooine, no droids allowed. Uh, and he kind of has this comment, and he's like, and the droids will probably overcome that eventually. 
Um, but that's not what he wanted Star Wars to be. And really, I mean, most fans, we don't want Star Wars to be about our politics. We want it to be a different world's politics, something we can get lost and escape in. Yeah. And I think Disney's, a lot of their stuff has missed out on that, you know, key detail. And that's why we're seeing so much controversy around it. Well, to be timeless is, I'm, that, I think that's every director's goal. At least oh, I would, absolutely. I would hope so. Absolutely. If you're, like, I even used the, the Peter Pan reference with mm-hmm. J.M. Barrett. It's like, Peter Pan is something that tells the tale of time. Like, they can withstand all this. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at Star Wars, the original Though, aren't they those, trying to... Uh, yes, they are. Yeah, I was going to say, aren't they cutting Peter Pan now but as well? But it's not because what I thought it would be. Because you, you see children abducted, and I thought maybe that's why. It's Teddy, racism know, somewhere, right? The Indians. they said. Yeah, it's the Indians. Oh, it's on been the... so long since I've seen But, like, seen I'm over here, movie. like, I'm thinking... Oh, when they play pretend... Yeah. Okay. I was like, it's been so long since I've seen But Peter you know what Pan. I'm thinking? Like, I'm thinking the whole point. When this is going down, I'm mm-hmm. over here, like, okay, they're, like, child... They're taking children or whatever. You know how Mary... Er, not Mary. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm uh, blanking. Wendy. She, Wendy, yeah. When Wendy gets taken, you know, by Peter Pan or whatever, like, kind of the abduction thing, mm-hmm. like, about kids, like, maybe raising awareness, like, you know, the sex trafficking film that we're working on. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's why they're trying to ban it. And then it comes back to, like, no, the depiction of, like playing Native American and stuff like that. I completely forgot that scene was even in the movie. Honestly, honestly. So that's uh and you know it's interesting. So they're making moves like that. And I think they're also they're censoring I think Dumbo and I think there's one other one. I don't understand Dumbo's though. The mistreatment of animals? Is that really what it is? I don't I didn't look into it enough because that's another movie. Like I remembered Peter Pan better than I did Dumbo. Um I don't know if it was mistreatment or I don't want to make any claims. They should really just ban all sure. Disney movies from like the 90s to 2000s because <sighs> but they always killed the parents. They there's so many good animals. ones and there's so many classics. You right get there. Bambi and Dumbo, both their parents die in the first We're going to lose King. Lion King if that happens. We can't lose but Lion King. But they just King. made it and John Favreau's still there. So, I mean, you can't really. We can't. The new Lion King is nothing compared to the classic. There's no it's Ellen not, John but I actually one. do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'll take the old one any day. I mean, there's so much more emotion in that old animation style. Uh, that's actually one of my thing about, one of my favorite points of old disney movies is that old you know cel-shaded animation oh gosh it's gorgeous um but kind of uh spinning off of where we started here so we're talking about how they're sort of censoring these old movies but then some of the new movies they're putting out i mean so we've discussed a little bit about the 2020 milan I, I, have you seen the movie? I haven't seen the movie, but I obviously know who they thanked in the end credits. And no, the whole movie is and... a mess. So the biggest claim about that movie is that this is going to be more authentic to the original Mulan story. It's going to be authentic to Chinese culture. And it is none of those things. They put that up as like a shield to protect them from a terrible movie. And I love this. Uh, another YouTuber. I uh, can't remember her name offhand, but so she's of uh, Chinese descent. And she pretty much built her channel around ripping into the 2020 Milan movie because it's just so insulting to people of that culture. And she's like, how did this ever get through? Why is this allowed? This is the worst movie ever. And so she compared it to the classic Milan, which I'm surprised hasn't come under fire, at least in a serious way. And the classic Milan, which wasn't aiming to be totally authentic, is significantly more accurate than the modern one. Modern one's just, it's such an absolute mess. And it's a 2020 film. Like, if this is our agenda, why aren't we, you know, doing our research and making it a more authentic film if that's what you're going to go for? Well, personally, I do feel that the the films are coming out right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think these are the films that are going to be more canceled down the line because of how 
disrespectful where trying to be while or, trying to be respect no but it's like it's almost like being opposite mm-hmm. so like they're trying to appease the masses and the and diversity and all this other stuff but it feels like they're actually targeting them by doing so and i feel like these are the ones that are going to be well so what they're doing like is they're using 10, the buzzwords to make to draw in that crowd and make them think like hey this is going to be a very progressive movie and they're sacrificing story you know, I don't even want to say they're sacrificing story for this because they're not even successfully doing inclusivity. Like, I'm all about, you know, including other cultures and representing other cultures. But, like, do it fairly and write a good story. And they're yeah. doing none of these things. It's like, ah, uh, I think these are the movies that are going to be canceled in the future, but they're going to be the ones we look back on and just chuckle and just look at this horrible film. Well, I believe there's a, um, and what I'm about to say is going to get a little bit political. So mm-hmm. I believe there's, is it, is it Static Shock? Is that a comic book character? Are you familiar with? Is that one of the New Wave ones? And I think they have... Well, uh, it was an old wave, but the New Wave story, and I could be misinterpreting the actual character that it is. But anyway, Cause the, origi- that... the original of this character mm-hmm. was, the original writing was that um, this guy was pulled into this gang and he didn't really want to be in the gang, but it was like, you know, city, they were pulling all these young kids into the gang activity and the police showed up and they were like, okay, well, we're going to use like this new, like super gas on these kids, you know, just trying to break up this gang and take mm-hmm. them out. Well, anyway, so the, the kid that was pulled in the gang that didn't really want to be there, he turns out to be a good guy based off the chemical reaction to it. Okay. And then all these other gang members were like the bad guys. So they, they got, they all, they all got superpowers. Okay. Which it's like, okay, whatever. We can Some yeah. comic book stories, yeah, origin so stories are pretty okay. out there, especially well, those not the main tier heroes, some of the sub tier ones. Yeah. There's some weird stuff out there. But you have the you have this superhero now hunting down or basically like dealing with the bad guys that were in the group. Okay. okay. The new writing of it, okay, is a kid was at a Black Lives Matter rally. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the police came for no god given reason and tried to gas him now. Mm-hmm. Okay, with the superpowers. So now you have this apparently superhero that's raised out of all this but how are they going to handle going against the gang there now well he probably won't go against the gang now he'll probably go after the police but doesn't it make it for some plot holes now because then how are you the good well so it's definitely a lot weaker sort of character development because having him going against the gang because you know i'm assuming the gang i mean yeah he's pressured into the gang but they're also his friends as well in the Mm -hmm. old one so he has this tighter bond with them. Again, I haven't read it myself, but I can see that being a huge character struggle for him. I mean, going against his former gang members, seeing what they've become and also what he could have become. Yeah. Because um, they become sort of a mirror foil image for him. But in the new one, I mean, probably going after the police would be my guess. And I mean, that's such a weaker story. It is weaker, but isn't it just bad storytelling? Anytime they try to push like an agenda, mm-hmm. no matter what side it's on, we could talk about left, we could talk about right. Mm-hmm. But whenever you push an agenda, it's typically lazy writing. It's Usually. boring writing. There's and, ways you can do it, but yeah, it's just, if you put, you have to put storytelling first. Storytelling, character development, and agenda pushing is something you just don't think about it. Like maybe you want to tell a story about, you know, an underrepresented group. Okay, don't do it just because you want to, you know, push this story mm-hmm. tell it because you have a story to tell something you know you can tell a compelling story you have a compelling character that's from this and will give some true representation mm-hmm. to this group and it's, let people it, see it's it. like not centering around it and i will give credit where credit is due even though I, i'm about to bash him probably in this whole series whenever how long this ends mm-hmm. but ryan johnson okay uh, my friend ryan johnson made a great movie called knives out mm-hmm. okay i don't know if you saw it yet i did not see that though i've heard good things about knives it. out is excellent now, a lot of people say he redeemed he, himself when he pushes that. politics in it mm-hmm. it's 
a typical family gathering. You got one side arguing on the right, you got one side arguing on the left and take their shots at each other about what's going on in the period of time. I think it was 2018, 2019, the film came out. So mm -hmm. yeah, they were arguing Around about there. the border and like all this other stuff. So it's like, but that's good. It's a, it's a five minute scene. It's organic. It's a five minute it scene. It feels natural. And as a director, as a writer, you can throw that jab at it, whatever, mm -hmm. but it doesn't equal the whole plot. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and if you're going to work he, politics and you have to do it in a way that it's not. So when you create a film, you want, especially like a major film, like yeah. a big blockbuster, your goal really in the end is two things, tell a story and make money. Um, we wish it could just be the first thing, but if we're being honest, the second thing is the main reason. Now that's good Ryan Johnson. Bad Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. But so your two goals are to tell a story and to make money. If you want to really succeed at that second one, the best thing you can do is create a film that everyone, regardless of their political belief, can get behind and enjoy. Then they're going to see it multiple times. They're going to buy merchandise. They're going to buy the movies, whatever it is that individual will do. But when you start preaching politics, specifically targeting a group, and I and here I really think of Captain Marvel, where she targeted what was actually the group that would have been one of her biggest supporters for the movies, you alienate this group. And so now, I mean, as far as making money off of them, you're going to really struggle for that. So it's not only just, I mean, I think good storytelling to, you know, be very careful about how you handle politics in it, but I think it's also just good business sense. And it is good business sense because in, in essence, though, when they're it, between the box office of like, say, a 2016 Ghostbusters or oh. anything else, but like, it's not making them money. No, it's like, something they keep trying. The agenda that it, they're pushing, no matter, again, no matter if it's left or right, mm -hmm. the agenda when a film is strictly based off agenda, mm -hmm. it's not been working. You can go back to Nike, you could go out, like Nike has nothing to do with the film industry, but mm -hmm. just take that as an example for the outside world. It's always like, it kind of strikes me as weird that they keep trying this, um, particularly in the film industry. And it's just, there's two things they like to do. They make movies based on toys or like a video, like a weird adaptation, like a Sonic or something like that. I still haven't seen that movie, by the way. Uh, I haven't either, but I mean, I'm sure you know the stories around it, um, which I hear it got better after they did the animation change. I mean, that original animation was... That was horrifying. That's nightmare feel right there. But there's certain things like they keep trying, and particularly the agenda one, like I think of the Ghostbusters 2016, and it never works. It just never works. And it's kind of like I'm surprised they don't figure it out yet because especially because with the uh, financial hits they take from these films and the fan pushbacks and all of that. But good news. We got Kathleen Kennedy running Lucasfilm for a very, very long time. See, yeah. that is what the new CEO, not Bob Iger, but the other Bob, mm -hmm. which it's funny how they just hired another Bob after Bob Iger. Weird how that works. Transfer the Bob. It's actually a new body for Bob Iger. Oh, is it? It's like uh, the movie Trent. Or... Is it just Palpatine <sighs> coming back in like Looking, the old? There's alien? that. What was that movie called? It was a couple years ago. I wanted to call it Transcendence, but I don't think it was Transcendence. And I think it was a Ryan Reynolds, and he kind of like the wealthy paid just to kind of transfer I was the thinking ghost from one body to another. There, that's not it. Um, well, pretty much the concept was they trans... So you, when you're dying, they take your conscious, your brain, and they transfer you into another person. They just make another body or they find someone and, you know, kind of wipe them. This is what's happened. It's just Bob has transcended into the next Bob. But this Bob doesn't seem to be as smart as the other Bob. because at, at Maybe it's like uh, Palpatine with the clones wear down with each transfer. The Bobs are wearing down. <laughs> so this Bob came mm -hmm. out... Now, of course, this, apparently the stock meet, uh, the, the, when you had all the group of investors there, apparently that didn't go very well because he refused to field questions mm -hmm. about the firing of Gina Carano. That's not smart with stock. Which is a very interesting, like, why would you do that to the investors? The investors are the ones you should be honest with. Mm -hmm. 
like not lie to because that, that's kind of the ones that are you know funding important. you so you know and he gets off what to do with the marvel and i don't think they have i don't think anybody has any question what to do with marvel mm-hmm. but as much as i dislike the first three episodes of one division they finished it out very well that's what i've heard there's a lot so, of discussion i haven't seen it yet myself it's kind of wandavision's one where i'm like i'll get to it eventually i'm not in a big hurry there's two takeaways to me probably one's only gonna matter to you but well, mm-hmm. the one that matters to me is the other, bob jr <laughs> mm-hmm. went up there and said that disney doesn't disney is not biased we are not left or right leaning which is a little bit on the... That's a lie. That's a that's lie. That's a lie. But the other one is, too, um, that I, he said that Kathleen Kennedy is going to be there for a very long time. I did hear about this. I heard just the quote. Just the one quote. And I was like, oh, gosh, I hope not. Like, please put Dave Filoni or Favreau in charge is all I can ever say. So is there a civil war brewing in Lucasfilm? Uh, that's a discussion I've heard for about a year now. We've seen sort of the two sides, the Dave Filoni, Favreau, Mandalorian, and I'm going to say true fans here. Um, people who are interested in Star Wars for what it was and um, just the storytelling versus Kathleen Kennedy and her cabinet, I'm going to call them, because there's a group of them in there um, that are aligned with her. And it's, I mean, even within LucasArts, there's a lot of talk kind of under the table that they're bashing heads. And I think this Cara Dune thing, we've seen this side reaching over and playing with this side's stuff. Um, and this side's been trying to reach over and, you know, discredit the sequel movies. So there's already, the conflict is there. Um, how My question right now is how much deeper is it than what we're seeing on the outside? Because there's a lot more than what we're seeing. I mean, The Mandalorian in combination with Rebels, um, it effectively can set up a sequel trilogy didn't exist already scenario. Well, I would like to, I, this is what I believe, whether it's politics people in the film industry like you know directors and writers mm-hmm. i think that the media overplays it mm-hmm. so i'm gonna say like behind the scenes just don't they still probably talk to each other they're still buddy buddy you know i don't believe that there's actually like a personal influence on the civil war now i think there's definitely a business influence on the civil war going on here i could see elements of it going both ways because so think about well, eventually it will, i don't think I, necessarily hating each other or like you know i hate you know hate your neighbor type deal yeah. but if you think about like so you have a dinner with family. We're talking about Knives Out. So you have the family dinner and you have the suicides. And there's a small comment sets off one side, which then sets off the other. And it's just a chain reaction. I can picture a lot of that going on. So if you have LucasArts is one big family, specifically its creative team is, you know, one family. Because I, you know, you really got to question how much input are the other people actually getting, you know. People holding, doing the filming or doing the animation, if it's Clone Wars or Rebels, they probably have very little input <laughs> for this stuff. But as far as the creative team and the writers... I can really picture it kind of like that uh, family dynamic. So there's just, someone makes a comment and it just triggers one side. It becomes a sort of get back at you or who can jab the hardest. And down the line, that can lead to serious tensions. It might not be there yet, but it, down the line, it's, you know, you have that one relative, you stop inviting to parties because every time, you you know, they show up, they lecture you about this one issue or they rant about this one mm-hmm. individual I could see it going there if it's not there already. Well, I would like to say, and I'm probably going to misquote something from the Bible here, so forgive me, but I think it was King Solomon before David showed up, because mm-hmm. I think Solomon tried to kill David. But in essence, Kathleen Kennedy is Solomon right now. She was the divine given, like, you know, handed down by George Lucas, you mm-hmm. know, given to Kathleen Kennedy. But that David, Filoni or Favreau, they're coming because they're the prodigy, mm-hmm. was- you know. So eventually, they're grooming them to take over. But again, as a king, Solomon didn't really want to lose power, mm-hmm. especially not to David. So that's how I feel like Kathleen's right there. She's on the high stool. She's on the throne. Mm-hmm. But she knows that this imminent threat eventually in the future is coming. I mean, this threat's already here for her. Oh, Fans it is. Fans love these people. 
They love what they're creating. They love the characters that are coming out of it. I mean, some of the strongest female characters, Ahsoka, Cara Dune, um, and oh, what's uh, the Imperial in the episode with the Ahsoka in Mandalorian season two? I'm blanking. I can't remember her name. I should because I just saw the episode like a week or two ago. But she seems like an interesting character that I'd like to see a backstory. She talks about how she, you know, she lost everyone during the Clone Wars. The Jedi weren't there to protect her. And so because of that, she becomes one of the driving forces of the Empire. Compare that to, you know, Sloane that Disney has given us, mm-hmm. who's just a Thrawn knockoff. I mean, I want to hear about this character from Floney. Yeah. I don't care at all about Sloane. Clone Wars, mm-hmm. Rogue One, and Jedi Fallen Order. All to me. Every character Jedi Fallen Order has got some every, great examples every, as well. Every character in those, whether they're films, video games, whatever, mm-hmm. that's good character building. And male, female, and alien. Because one of the things we really didn't see in the sequel trilogies is new, exciting aliens. There was no a new alien in the original group, unless you count Porgs, but I don't think you could count Porgs. Well, not only aliens, but alien life. worlds. Um, well, worlds too. And also, if you look in the background at the aliens we see, I particularly, I always think of uh, Maz's, you know, Cantina. They're just, it's like generic sci-fi channel aliens. Or Jakku, the Jellyman. It's literally like generic sci-fi channel we have a really small budget so we just threw in this you know blob fish guy and i'm like star wars has always been beyond that like yeah we've had some weird things in the background particularly with low budget like i mean i think of the original cantina scene there's literally a wolf mask in the back but that's because he had a low budget he's working with what he has but it still worked better than i mean it did i mean how many people even noticed it anyway because it was very far in the background and there were so many other interesting aliens in there is this um, before Greedo shot first or Han shot first? Han shot first <laughs> in the original one. <laughs> um, but, like, modern Star Wars... So George Lucas can use the excuse, like, we're using what we had. You know, we had a low budget, and also it was, you know, the time. They didn't have the effects we do now. Modern Star Wars, it has no excuse. I mean, the budgets behind these Star Wars movies and the effects we have in modern day, some of the aliens you could create could be so cool. And there's none of that in the sequels. But there is that in The Mandalorian. I think of the frog people in season two. Those were neat. And they had a very heartwarming story. They weren't a big part of it. Only across, was it two or three episodes? Do you remember? I think it was three. Mm-hmm. And really there was only one full episode. Might have been two and a half technically. When they were yeah. like riding. Yeah. and Because the next episode is really just the heartwarming. You know, they meet up and then hold Baby Yoda for the a spiders. little bit. Uh, well, that's, yeah, that's the full episode. Um, which are from Rebels. Saved by Dave Filoni. Yeah, Dave Filoni, and I don't know who the other guy was, but... That was Filoni, like, after he showed that episode to Kathleen, he's like, look, I saved the day twice. <laughs> yeah, because he did it in the first season, too, <laughs> when he blows up the pirates. Um, but, yeah. The of the franchise already. I We're mean, already labeling him as that. And it's not just Filoni, it's Favreau, but I, I do tend to take Filoni's side more. Mm-hmm. Favreau is, like, the guy behind the camera, the person that, like, puts the imagination to, like, fool. I I kind of go... I mean, it can. I love both of them. Let me just say that quick. Both fantastic Let people. Let me do something real quick, things. though. I'm going to give Connor a job here real quick. Okay. Connor, I want you to look up the box office for um, Episode 7, Rise of, not Rise of Skywalker, Force Awakens, and then look up the Rise of Skywalker one for me if you can. Just, okay, now continue. Um, So, I mean, I love both of them. Let me just say that up front. Fantastic work, doing great things. I'm more on the Favreau side because I think Dave Filoni, I love what he's doing with lore and storytelling for the most part. But I think as a storyteller, I actually think Favreau is a little stronger. Like if I look at the episodes that were done by Favreau versus the episodes that were done by Filoni, a good example here is so Filoni does the episode of the Jedi where they meet Ahsoka. And unless I'm mistaken, Favreau does the one, the episode right after where we meet Boba Fett for the first on-screen, up-close time. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we've had two teases of him at that point already. Um, I like the Boba Fett episode way better than the Ahsoka one. And part of the reason is the Ahsoka one is a lot of like, it's kind of t- trying to shove in too much, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like the Favreau one is it's a pretty straightforward story, but it's also got a lot of neat twists. Like, you know, is Mando going to try and kill Boba because of the cultural difference? What about Boba's armor? Like it answers a lot of questions we've had and also in ways that are very true to lore, like old fashioned lore, because um, it works. So Jango Fett was a Mandalorian in old lore, but they kind of tried to cancel him with Clone Wars and later stuff. Um, and so he brings him in the foundling. So it creates, it's this sort of middle path that's satisfying to fans of both sides of his background. If you're an old fan or if you're a new fan, it can bring you together. And the Floney ones, I mean, I love Ahsoka, but I also sometimes think it's it's just his baby a little too much. Because I'll always be a little, I don't want to say salty, but you didn't see Rebels. No. But I believe we've discussed um, how she seems to die in Rebels. And then he kind of like time mumbo jumbo brings her back. And she was going to die to Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader. <laughs> which I just think is such a powerful like character moment for both of them. Like it's a very, it's a powerful end to her character you know, being taken out by her master, but also on Anakin's side, Darth Vader's side, like that just, it shows how low he is at this point that he kills his own Padawan and recognizes her because he says her name and he's like, you left me and then, you know, swings at her. Um, and again, kind of time-space mumbo-jumbo. Even though the time-space mumbo-jumbo is what's disconnect is what kind of discredits the 789. So I did, I'm like... I did hear that theory. So, um, cool. so I'm like, I love Filoni's stuff. I just think Favreau's is a little stronger. And Filoni, I think, sometimes gets caught up in, you know, like wanting to have his space wolves and there's wolves in almost everything he films and just little things like that. Ladies um, and gentlemen, this is why whenever you want a Star Wars backstory, whenever I want a Star Wars backstory, I go right to Jake because Jake is like the Star Wars lord over here. I should have worn a Star Wars shirt. I was going to wear a Boba Fett shirt, uh, which would have been very fitting for Missed our discussion. Went. Also, By the way, I wanted if, to save it for... If we are spoiling anything now, we are three months past the final episode, so and you should have logically seen The Mandalorian Season 2. If not... Too bad. We haven't had any big spoilers for Mandalorian. The Rebels one is big. Oh, in case you didn't know Boba showed up. Yeah, I mean, who didn't know but, Boba was coming? We knew before the season came out. But, like, I don't know. There's um, people that there. And the Rebels one, that's... You've had time. 2017, 2018. It, it's years now. Um, particularly that episode, so... Connor, do we have box office numbers by chance over there? Yeah, Force Awakens had 1 billion more than uh, Rise of Skywalker. 2 billion to 1 billion. Okay, so for the audience, so fifty percent lower. Fifty percent lower. Two billion. Force Awakens. One billion. Rise of Skywalker. To repeat. Yeah, estimated numbers. Estimated e- numbers. Either roughly. way, shouldn't a trilogy? Shouldn't a trilogy? The peak of a trilogy. The peak of a trilogy. Go up. You would think so, but if we look at seven eight nine, do we see? Can you look at Blast Jedi as well? Do we see a steady decline, or one, is it more of like a be, That should be like one point five. Or mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, that's maybe, what I would think. Is sort of a slow. Kind of drop. It, it was lower as well. It was about the same as uh, Rise of Skywalker. Okay, okay, so it's more of like a... Yeah, more of like... A drop and then flatline. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I wasn't sure if that would be mm-hmm. sort of a slow downward thing. Like, we watch this one, we don't like it. We watch this one, we still don't like it. We give up on this yeah. one. I know Rogue One at least hit a billion, which is still mm-hmm. pretty good because, like, that was a spinoff... What do they call it? Anthro- anth- anth- Anthology, I think Anthology. they called it. Thank you for saving my English. <laughs> no um, problem. But, like, that's one of those instances where, like, Maybe the hardcore stuff. Well, this hardcore Star Wars fans went to see it, but like the casual ones typically didn't. Mm-hmm. But to break a billion with a spin-off movie that has nothing to do against World the one single, is just fantastic. Oh, I film. I don't normally see a lot of films multiple times in th- in theaters, and I saw Rogue One five times in theaters. 
I took, I was like, I watched this movie myself, and then I was like, hey, Donnie, we're gonna go see this movie, and then I was like, hey, other friend of mine, you to go see this movie, I was like, hey, family members, you gotta go see this movie, I just, I was like, everyone needs to see this movie, and I kept taking people back with me to go see it, and I was like, I don't mind watching it again, I'll go with you, um, and I didn't do that with any of the others, all the other ones, except for Rise of Skywalker, I did two watches in the theaters. And I, I haven't done a full watch since, I'll be honest. There's, I've tried. I just, I can't do I it. I even went back to try to watch Last Jedi again in theaters. I tried. Mm-hmm. I tried to give that film. And I can't watch it whenever it's recommended on Disney Plus or whatever. Mm-hmm. I tried to do it. two. Once in theaters. Um, two to be fair. One in theaters with all the hype of fans and, you know, well, we were lightsabers. There. Yeah, well, for the first one we were. The second one we were separate. Did we see the second one together? Yeah. Or we, okay. First one we were separate. No. No, 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 no. Because we were sitting by the lady that couldn't get the lightsabers. Yeah, off the I know. I was next to her. Well, our second whole row was in second costume. Second one we were That's separated because awesome. I was up with That was when you guys separated by a couple rows. Well, okay. yeah, because you brought your separate group of friends. Mm-hmm. And then we were up there. I was ready to walk out after the Luke situation. I remember you were like... I was ready. I could feel you fuming back there. But I remember... <laughs> I, I, love how, I love how I'm like nine rows deep and Jake's over here like Donnie's fuming. I, I sense feel it in the force. Hate. But uh, I enjoyed that one on the first watch, but mostly for the atmosphere around, because we were all making jokes, and we were all in our gear. And that raised the experience. And I went back until the second watch. I took my little cousin to go see it, because he hadn't seen it yet. And it was like, on the second watch, even actually just the first watch, but driving home, because it was an hour drive home. And when you started thinking about the movie more, you're like, wait a second, there's some big issues in this. And then when you watch it that second time, you're like, all right, we got a lot of problems in here. So anyway, I don't know if I ever told you this, but the first comment I heard when Last Jedi was over, mm-hmm. I didn't get to like talk to Max or Troy there. I just like out loud, I was like, oh, so much for Snoke. And a guy in front of me got up and left. He's like, I know. Like, I was like, the first comment I got, I was like, thank well, you. We did so much speculation for Snoke. There was, well, the thing fans is, okay, did so much. And we weren't even like, okay. If, if we're wrong about mm-hmm. something, which I think every director is like, okay, we want the fans to imagine. It's like the Marvel thing. Every I think, fan wants to imagine. the yeah. pro- And like, we don't get upset when our theories aren't wrong, mm-hmm. you know, but like still, you got to come out with a good, solid, like not, you don't need a we background, want you to need be a surprised. Story. We actually, deep down, we want to be wrong when we think a story, like where we know it's going. We, we want, want it to surprised. prove us wrong. Yes. We, we want a surprise that we're like, wow, we didn't think of that, but that's really good. This is way better than we thought. This one was like, wait, that was just a fake out. Wait, that was another fake out. It's really, I mean, Last Jedi is a movie of just repeated fake outs. And then JJ slapped us in the face with uh, Snoke in the, at the start of Rise of Skywalker with Snoke in the <laughs> I was like, let's slap a Band-Aid on everything because it's all on fire. And I mean... Honestly, I think he took more shots at Ryan in the in the final movie. There's a did. lot in there, but there's also just, I mean, Nine is like... Between oh retconning gosh. and, I mean, you need to split it. such a mess. If you even tried to say it, which was impossible, but if you tried, you almost need like two parts. Yeah. It's, it, did you ever see any of the original concept art for Nine? Because we know how bad, like that movie was badly rushed out and they Honest, changed so much. Honestly, Jake, I don't stuff. think I paid attention to the concept art or even the concept after <sighs> Last Jedi. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I kind of stopped watching the concept like looking into the concept art because seven broke my heart because the concept art for seven was oh, it had so much potential but the worlds they were going to well let's not forget there had. was a there was a peak moment in december the the gap year mm-hmm. because we had solo in may coming up because i was pushed back from december to may yeah but we had and we're gonna bring him up on the channel and then we're gonna discuss this maybe a little bit without bashing him too much but we had a nice star wars theory fan film in there you mean that, that one Vader. like three six minute episode or whatever yeah, it was but it brought us together as a community and youtube and disney tried to take it down for we were all on his side and then not to not to bash another youtuber but like he kind of flipped sides a little mm-hmm. bit but 
you know, but we have that glimmer of hope in the fan base, even throughout all this. Well, there was sort of this connection, but then Mandalorian came in and like actually did it. Because that's yeah. the things I, I praise Favreau and Filoni the most for. Also, real quick side note to finish my other. Filoni, I said I didn't think he was quite, you know, I don't think he's quite as good as Favreau, but I think Filoni is still young and learning. I think down the line, he's going to be a magnificent storyteller. I just don't think he's quite there yet. He needs a little well, more Well, that's experience. why I put him as a prodigy, because uh, he was under George Lucas. He was like the, mm -hmm. I, I, I think truly down, this is how I view that. George Lucas put Kathleen Kennedy in charge because she was good at producing and getting films done, mm -hmm. which still the track record. She got it done. She fired a lot of people in the process, but she got it done. Mm -hmm. um, so she knew the high-end Hollywood industry because she's worked with Spielberg. She's worked with Lucas before. Mm -hmm. and But in the meantime, he's like, listen, this guy's coming up. Like, this guy's going to take over, this Filoni guy, because he's been with me every step of the way. He knows the force. He knows the wills. And he's explained all that to Filoni because Filoni has discussions. So um, at the time that Filoni joins the Star Wars team, he had just finished off the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender. He was working as part of the staff on that. And if you actually if you go through that, I remember I was watching that and I get to the credits and it's like directed by uh, Dave Filoni. And I was like, what? I didn't know you did this, but he was in some of the episodes for that. And he gets the call from uh, LucasArts and they're like, hey, do you want to come work on Star Wars? And he's like, yes, like it's a dream come true. And he jumps ship over well, I think there. That, I, when I was listening to the round table, they had that discussion on Disney Plus, mm -hmm. like a round table. I think he hung up the first time because he thought it was a prank. Yeah, I think there was something like that. He's like, this isn't real. And then yeah. they're like, no, it's actually yeah. real. And he was like, oh, yes. He's playing around like, yeah, not trying to be a dick, but like me, like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is real. Oh, crap. Yeah, but so he goes over there and he talks about how like he would sit down with George Lucas and the two would just take some time together and George would just explain the Force to him. And he's like, the George's vision of the Force and the future of Star Wars, he's like, I can't even really grasp it. He's like, I'll be completely honest, but he's like just the depth of it. Like there's so much more to it than you see on screen working behind the scenes. And so Dave Filoni is the kind of guy who would definitely sit down with George Lucas and be like, just tell me everything. Kathleen Kennedy, I can't see her doing that at all. He probably had to work just to get her to listen at all. Kathleen Kennedy, we can't even, like I feel like this is from the outside. I have no mm -hmm. connection to the inside, obviously. Uh, but to me, Kathleen Kennedy doesn't feel like she answers to anybody. I mean... Like, that sounds accurate. She's, I uh, mean, even even so, like, okay, so Bob Iger, who was still there before Bob Jr. took over. Mm -hmm. So Bob Iger, like, they've had conversations, but Bob was like, I feel like Bob would have fired her, but for some reason he didn't. She's one that, so, well, she gets into things and yeah. hangs out and kind of sticks so, in. But then, like, you always look at, like, Marvel. Um, what's his name all of a sudden? I blanked. This is usually where names are your specialty. Not I know mine. names are my specialty. Names are not my specialty. Uh, oh, I do like face. Feige. Feige. Kevin Feige. Mm -hmm. Kevin Feige always went to Bob Iger. Like mm -hmm. they were always in conversation and stuff like that. And he typically ran it by, you know, and like, okay, we got to keep it. Like Bob Iger, we got to keep this family friendly. Mm -hmm. That was like the one thing I actually praised Bob Iger for. We got to keep this family friendly. Like we don't want, we don't want Deadpool really on Disney Plus because we still want, even though it's Marvel, we mm -hmm. still want it like, you know, family friendly. I'm over here like, I respect that. Mm -hmm. Okay. This time we said for, you know, having something and sticking to it. And I think that's something that's very respectful. But even Kevin Feige, who is more successful than Kathleen Kennedy mm -hmm. between Marvel and Star Wars. But Kathleen's not the, this is the one that doesn't seem to answer to Bob Iger or to just Disney in general now. She's just kind of, LucasArts is kind of doing its own thing, LucasArts, LucasFilm. It's almost like, I, I wonder if there was maybe a clause to give them more freedom, which is good. Because like some companies like Pixar have more freedom. Like if Disney's like, hey, we want to film now, Pixar's like, nah, I don't think so. We'll just wait seven years and then make Incredibles 2. Well, they, have a they have a separate agreement, don't they? Mm -hmm. Well, they have their own thing because they were like, no, we're going to do it our own way because we're not going to rush something out. And a lot of the other companies, Disney can be like, hey, we want a you know sequel to this now. 
and it'll be rushed out. I think Star Wars has a little bit of something like that. Not to the Pixar level, but something kind of in the middle between, you know, Standard Company and Pixar. Pixar is a democracy among communists. (laughs) And so she's able to do those extra sort of, she can do things without getting so much approval, I get the impression. Um, Which, on one hand, like this is a double-edged knife, because if it was in the hands of someone, you know, who really cared about Star Wars, like I, I think one of the biggest tells we can tell she didn't really listen to George Lucas's vision or care about it is when she came out and immediately was like force is female like the not as in like you know let's push a female like strong females but as in like the force itself is literally female because anyone who's paid it and watched any Star Wars is like wait a second the force is kind of like its own thing it's mm-hmm. probably genderless it's more of like a chi um that which is like an energy um I don't want to go too deep into it but it's like you know it's not like, like it's. I was I was gonna say not a being, but then we have the wills kind of influence the force. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky subject. Well, I it wish they very went along very... lines of the will though with the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. because I think I do believe that was George's plan. Yeah, that was his the original. wills and the actual force, and he would bring back the dread, dreadful name of mini chlorians. Mm-hmm. The two places but... he wanted it to go was either with the wills, um, kind of how I was looking back, like the wills were sort of I think reading a uh, archive, and that was the whole Star Skywalker saga, or he wanted them to just go with the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, is actually we were talking about that interview in the beginning of this and in that he's like well there's a or no there's a second clip that I think was older actually it was not that interview it was a different clip and he's like yeah no Disney didn't really go anywhere I expected it's not my Star Wars and it's uh, I would have it was about you know the father the son and the grandchildren mm-hmm. uh, in my Star Wars and he talks about it, he talks about so what would have been 789 and is actually 789 and sort of the old books which a lot of people said George Lucas didn't support the books. Yeah. But this comment he has proves that, no, he viewed that as the next wave of Star Wars. And well, so where we all hoped Disney would go, but they didn't. That's nothing new to us fans have been following it, though. Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of knew from, like, 2012 when it was sold mm-hmm. to, like, 2014, Force Awakens, like, we kind of knew they were following It's George, neat like, hearing George Lucas discuss it at all, though. Like, I mean, he can't say much. There's clearly an agreement somewhere that stops him. And then Bob Iger writes a book saying about, yeah, I just kind of broke the handshake agreement I had with George. I was like, oh, that's great publicity. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. what we all wanted to hear because we already knew anyway. It's no surprise. Uh, I think we all, I, I probably ever, I don't, but that, that's also everyone shame. but George probably. That's also a shame on George, though, for only taking a handshake agreement and not having it, like, contractually bound. Yeah, probably everyone but George saw it coming. He just, he thought, because he's sort of an older era, uh, he thought, well, if we have an agreement, this is big company, Disney, and we can trust each but other, if you right? Ever, if you ever watch his documentaries, like, in the 70s and 80s when he's making the original trilogy, he didn't trust 21st Century Fox. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's weird that, you go from not trusting studios, the reason why you want to be an independent filmmaker, get all the rights, get like, because merchandise was new back then. Mm-hmm. So he capitalized on that. Studio didn't have any control. But on top of that, but well, then remind you, me to come back to merchandise. I have a little okay. story to tell you if we have Well, we can do that before. right after this. <laughs> um, but it's funny how he goes from not trusting yeah. to trusting. And then he also hates it again. It's like, well, what do you expect? Yeah, I wonder if maybe, you know, because he did trust Kathleen Kennedy. Maybe he, she like, oh no, we can trust this guy. He's a good one or something like that. Uh, there might have been some extra influences somewhere in there. George or he Lu- just wanted out. Maybe. George Lucas is a Jar Jar Binks anointed, anointed Palpatine to the Senate leader. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a horrible comparison, but it's not It's not wrong. It's not wrong. Merchandise. Um, so I, this is just a little side story. You've heard of Spaceballs, right? Yes. Um, you know, so when 
Mel Brooks was making that movie. George Lucas was like, yeah, fine, go ahead. You can use Star Wars references in this. But I got one rule. No merchandise because the toys from Spaceballs would look too much like the toys from Star Wars. <laughs> and you look at the characters. Yeah, they definitely would. Yeah. I mean, look at Lone Star. It's definitely the Han Solo. Um, so he told Mel Brooks, no merchandising. And you've seen Spaceballs, right? The whole movie is like merchandising, merchandising. Spaceballs, the cereal box. Spaceballs, the lunchbox. Spaceballs, the flamethrower. And that's what... And even the section where he's playing with the action figure, where Darth Helmet plays with the uh, action figures later on, it was all just like, a, George Lucas told me no, so we're going to fill this whole movie with merchandising. We watched George and Dr. Shakespeare's head like... You gotta love Mel Brooks. He is one, oh, yeah. of, one of the most brilliant com- comedic minds of like... I, I, it's not our time, but in our lifetime. So because uh, I, I was thinking about this, with him. I was thinking about this pretty heavily today, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to take myself back. So George sold it in 2012. Mm-hmm. Okay, 20 what 14, 15. We finally got the Force Awakens to start all this. Don't forget, uh, if you're doing a timeline, you got to mention how 1313 was canceled. Okay, and but all let, of Lucas let me, laid off. It's a different approach than what I was going. I know, with, but though. it's so sad. It's okay, um, <laughs> because we'll talk about video games and like stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question though is, where would you have taken it? Like Star Wars, like, you know, when Disney bought it, mm-hmm. this is how I felt. I never trusted Disney with the product mm-hmm. because I think we had this discussion back, even way back then, like Disney buying Star Wars, like, eh, do we really trust it was Disney? Worrisome. And then there was still a glimmer of hope as we led up to the premiere mm-hmm. of episode seven. But where would we have taken it? Because I'm trying to take myself back because, and I'm, and I'm not even going to take credit because when I walked out of the, um, I thought, obviously, I didn't really. Well, we almost walked out of Force Awakens. Yeah, I didn't like the For- I didn't like Force Awakens. I was more tempted to walk out of Last Jedi, but I didn't like the Force. I was so close. To I, didn't, Force I didn't like the Force Awakens, but then when Rogue One came out, I was like, "Oh well, they should have just did these." And mm-hmm. you're gonna say me again with the English anthology. Mm-hmm. Yes, you got it. You anthology got it. films, and then I'm like, "Oh well, they should just have done more of these." Yeah, I would have been. But fine like, now. what was our expectations back when Disney purchased it? Where did we think it was gonna go? Did well, we think we were gonna get seven through? nine all of a sudden or like well they announced almost right away that they're going to do a seven and what would you have done with it let's do that um so i i mean i remember that there was thinking there's kind of two ways i thought disney would go they were either going to burn the franchise to the ground to commercialize it or to push agendas r.i.p that's what we got um or because remember marvel was very big and successful at that time that was was avengers 2 out yet where did we fall in the marvel timeline avengers 1 was definitely out uh okay so uh when did uh Age of Ultron come out, Connor. Go find it. Um, so, but I, I don't think you even okay. heard me. Well, 2009 obviously kicked off with Iron Man. 2015. For Age of Ultron? Yeah. All right, when was the original Avengers? Got to make sure we get I'm our time. 2012 was the original Avengers. I want to say it was already out at the time. Well, remember, Star Wars is in December, so I think it would have been, it would have been mm-hmm. like April or May of 2012, probably. For some reason, I almost wanted to say it was 2011. We'll be right. 2012. 2012, good job. Um, so there was one side that was also like, you know what? They've done a nice job with some of these films. And really, Star Wars has such a fan base and such a like deep EU of lore that I was like, really, if you pump money into it and give it to fans like LucasArts, um, you can do amazing things. Because I was like, I have a full faith, you know, give us more Clone Wars. Because at that point, we were still getting Clone Wars regularly. Uh, I was like, just give us a cash injection and we can do amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. and you know of course we didn't get that but what i would have preferred is that first one and just bring some of the old stories into new light uh like rogue one elements of rogue one's plot are from george lucas's time okay. uh different stories like that like we could do seven eight nine but maybe do the original either what george lucas originally originally intended with the wills like go find his handbook and original scripts and do something with that 
or do seven, eight, nine, maybe Thrawn trilogy or Jake and Jaina Solo. And yeah, some fans are going to know where that's going, but most fans don't. Does it matter if we knew where it was going? No. If you tell a good story, like just bring these stories that we they love to life. They literally produced how many Harry Potter films and Hunger Games films, knowing where the ending was going to go. Yeah. And people still showed up in the masses to watch it. So I don't buy their excuse. And like, especially well, we that. We something new in order to sell. Because I disagree no. with that. No, you could have, because there's a lot of people, I mean, still, we would love to see those characters brought to life on the big screen. I mean, picture Admiral Thrawn sitting in the theater. Admiral Thrawn walks in, they play some cinematic, you know, orchestral music. Uh, he would be a good one for it, not going to lie. That was like, like trending. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see Benedict Cumberbatch playing it. But picture, you know, we have Thrawn walk in, or we have Keanu Reeves playing Revan, and it's the original story from Night's the Old Republic, the old canon story. I mean... We could have seen so much just brought to life. And it would have brought it to fans that, so, you know, a lot of people maybe miss Thrawn if they weren't reading the books. But then maybe they were involved in Star Wars playing the games or something else. They would have gotten to experience these stories that they would have otherwise missed. And vice versa, you know, people missing the game stories. Because there's some fantastic stories in those old Star Wars games. We can come back to that on our next podcast. Um, then the people that were only reading the books or only watching the movies would have also gotten those. Like, there's just so many amazing mo- like they didn't have to create new stuff they could have taken old stuff and maybe given it a little bit of a spin or a twist to keep it fresh you know not copy word for word but it's just i mean they didn't have to scrap it and just make something new and especially when they after they scrapped it and tried to make their new eu it was very much like let's just overwrite old stuff or rewrite it poorly but with more diversity yeah. Like, that's where I mentioned so Sloan. Admiral Sloan is one of the characters I, I cannot stand from Disney Star Wars. And she's just Thrawn, but ethically diverse. Thrawn was an alien. He was a Chiss, the blue faced, you know, mm-hmm. really cool species. Um, and he was very kind of Spock like in his calculating nature. And she's just kind of like a poor clone of him. And I'm like, <sighs> part of what makes Star Wars so great is the alien species and their different cultures. And you kind of just. If not for Filoni, we wouldn't have Thrawn as canon because Filoni brings Thrawn back. Well, I wanted to bring out video games because we talked about uh, Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. We also talk a lot about Battlefront 2. We will probably not... want to save some of this for when we have... Well, that's the thing. I'm going to save that for Matt Hummel when he jumps on because I think that'll be a really good conversation. Yeah. Along with your friend needs to come on. So we're going to try to get him. Uh, I think that's a good place to start wrapping things up. Yeah, I think that's a good length. I don't be- know where we're at, but time-wise, but... We've covered a lot of stuff, and we've gone deeper into some tenser subjects we don't normally touch. Yeah, but yeah, I do. I do really truly believe that that's a better conversation for Hummel when we bring him. Oh yeah. On. So the more Star Wars fans, the merrier. Let's give you a well. What's your final comment or final take to close this one out? Do you have anything specific that you want to get off your off your chest or off your mind? <laughs> I hope the future of Star Wars carries for us many excellent stories that are built from the ground up with storytelling and character development in mind. It won't. <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta burst everybody's bubble. I, I know, won't. but we can always help. Let Filoni and Favreau win the war. Well, Jake, thank you for joining us on the podcast here. Again, you were a fan favorite in Real Deal. Oh, wait, he's got some Real, Did you hear about this, The Rock, the character Geode in no. Star Wars The High Republic? What happened? There's a new character who is literally a rock. Big rock. Is it a pet rock? No, it's like almost like a Han Solo and Carbonite rock. Is it the thing? No. No, it's very similar to uh, 
one of the species in Star Trek because the writer of the High Republic is a big Star Trek fan and pretty much copied the Borg into a new Star Wars species. They've always copied each other. Yeah, Star Trek and Star Wars yeah, but it's and Marvel so, and DC have always copied. It each was other, so blatant though. Yeah. Like it was like this is literally the Borg, but well. That's that, a topic for another, another just, time, I just guess. Just slap a picture of Geode on screen, and that's going to be our closing remarks. <laughs> well, thank you guys for tuning in. Again, this episode will be, uh, you can listen to it on Spotify. You can watch the YouTube version. Hopefully you guys like, share, and subscribe. i got to go through all this because it helps us grow the channel. So if you are, just share it to your friends if you like this episode. If you don't like this episode, thumbs down. But if you really like it, give us a thumbs up. Thank you guys. Have a good day.